Wonderful. What an achievement, eh? 70 years of service to God and nation. Um, we will never, ever see that again in our lifetime, will we? In fact, I was reading um, in the Scriptures about the longest-serving kings or queens in the Scriptures. And, the, and the, the, the longest period of time that a king served in the Bible times was 55 years. The queen has gone 15 years beyond that. And uh, what a great privilege it is that we're alive in these days and we have such a model uh, before us. And also that the queen has everything. She has fame, probably one of the most famous women in the world. She has finance at a resource. You know, I hearing Charles last night refer to the, um, the amazing images that were on her house. He called her her house, Buckingham Palace, her house. Uh, incredible. Um, she's got everything that this world can really offer, and yet she stands and says, Jesus is my rock, my faith is my hope. And what a great testimony and a service that is. Thank God for her, and thank God for all that he has done in and through her life. And we pray that as people continue their celebrations this weekend, that there will not just be nostalgia but there would be a stir in the hearts to find the one in whom our queen has placed hope. Come on, let's give thanks to God for her and let's pray for the openness of hearts across our nation and the nations of the world. Father, we thank you for this godly woman who fears you, who has people at her beck and call and yet she kneels at your feet. And Lord, we thank you for your strength and we thank you for your grace in her life. And Lord, we thank you for this privilege that we have of seeing her service to you and to people. Lord, we pray that as the emotions of the nation and the nations of the world are stirred this weekend, Lord, some will feel as nostalgia, some will feel as sentimentality, but Lord, we pray that there will be something that cuts through the hearts of people. And Lord, we pray that as we also celebrate not only the Queen's Platinum Jubilee, but we celebrate this day being the birthday of the church. Lord, we pray that once again in the nations of the world that there will be an outpouring of your Spirit, O oh God. Lord, that your Spirit will spread like wildfire through the nations. Lord, it will spread like wildfire through communities. And as communities have had tables and parties in their streets, Lord, there have been seats for everybody in that community. Lord, we pray that people in communities across the nations will know that there's a place for them to come and feast at the table of the Lord. Father, we pray that salvation will come to this nation. Lord, we pray your spirit will be poured out in abundance upon the nations of the earth. Lord, we pray this day that your spirit will be poured out in your church, O oh God. Father, we're so dry. Father, we're so boring sometimes, Lord. Father, we've missed it so much. God, we've fallen so far from the Spirit-filled church that you've called us. And Lord, we pray that the Spirit of God would sweep through the nations, through the church. Revive your church, oh God. Revive your church. Revive your dry people, oh God. Come, Spirit of God, and stir up the hearts of your people. Stir us up, oh God. Stir us up, oh God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Stir up your people, oh God. You have not finished with this nation yet. You have not finished with your church yet. 
Holy Spirit, come and have your way in us, we pray. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I know, I know the Lord has not finished with his church. I know that yesterday, as thousands of people gathered on the southwest coast path and on mountaintops across the southwest, I know that there is a cry and a heart that says, God, there is more. Come and do more among us, oh God. And it was just wonderful just to receive lots of messages yesterday of words people have been having things that have sensed the Lord stirring in their hearts as a result of praying on the coast path yesterday. And uh, I began to talk to the team yesterday because I think one of the things that's really important is that we don't settle into programs and routines, that we don't just stick with what has been. But the Holy Spirit's always moving. He's always moving. Did you hear that? The Holy Spirit is always moving. He's at work. He's always growing more fruit. He's always developing. Sometimes he prunes us back. Sometimes he cuts away some stuff of our life that needs to be cut away. But he's always doing it to bring fruitfulness on our life. He's always stirring by his spirit. And, uh, and I began to speak to some of the team of leaders from other churches and other ministries across the Southwest. And I said, guys, what about some other ideas? Why don't we in the winter do beacons on beaches? Why don't we just light fires on beaches across the southwest in the winter on a dark night? We gather in, the, in an evening in the winter and we light fires and we have torches and we declare that Jesus, the light of the world, has come and everyone's invited. And uh, amazing, you know, it's every, lots of various people on the team. But people are saying, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. So look out for a day for beacons on the beaches. You heard it first here this morning. Because the Spirit of God's always stirring. And then the little audio track that Nita and I put together for people to pray yesterday. We're going to produce a lot more of those. And we're going to encourage people that why don't you regularly get out and go for a walk and take a prayer audio track with you and pray for the Southwest throughout the year. Because this is not a game. <laughs> We're not playing at this. That God wants to do something. And there's forces of darkness rising up in the nation. Right across the world, there are tectonic plates and powers and empires clashing. That we're seeing it in the physical. We're seeing nation rise up against nation. And the scripture tells that happen, that will happen. But in the spirit realm, there is a battle and a contention taking place right now. I was really moved when I first saw, still moved today, but I saw when the, when the Russians first invaded Ukraine. And you saw people said, no, this is not happening. And they began to gather components to make their own homemade bombs. And they said, they're not coming in our street. They're not coming in our community. And we're going to rise up, even though we feel unskilled, even though we feel unprepared. We're going to rise up, and we're not going to let them take our nation. Do you know that the enemy has been driving around the streets of the Southwest and around the UK for years? And we've been asleep. <laughs> Still asleep. And, you know, the Bible tells us the weapons of our warfare are mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. And there's a war taking place. And I know you came here this morning a bit burdened by, you know, what you should have for dinner. And you came here a little bit fatigued because you had a late night last night. You were up till 10.30 watching the Queen's performance. And it's a little bit longer than normal for you. And you feel tired this morning. But we're in a battle. The church is in a battle. There's a war. 
And we're not given homemade bombs. We're given weapons of warfare that are mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. So we're not playing around on the coast path just saying some nice gentle prayers. We're rising up as warriors of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And we're going to see an advancement of the kingdom of God, I believe, in our day. Are you getting it this morning? Because there's a battle that's taking place. And I've got some really good news. We're starting a new series today. And the new series is movements. We're going to be looking at movements for the next few weeks. And we're going to be looking how God is always on the move. And we're looking in our hearts. We're always trying to make things comfortable. We're always trying to settle. And the Spirit is always trying to move. He's moving on the earth. He's moving on the earth. And I'm seeing and reading and understanding and just finding a story after story of the things the Lord is doing around the globe. Because 2,000 years ago when the Spirit of God was poured out on those 120 people gathered in the upper room, the Holy Spirit didn't turn up to give them a nice service. He didn't turn up because he felt a bit sorry for them. He turned up because he was about to empower them to be movement people, to be world changers, to take a message that was spread around the globe. That's why the Holy Spirit turned up. That's why Jesus told them, wait for the Spirit. Don't run ahead. And I can ask you a question. What did they have then that you haven't got today? If the answer is nothing, why do we live like we're, we don't have, quite have what they had? Let's think about what they didn't have. They didn't have much money. We read that these fishermen, that to even pay their taxes, had to catch a fish with a coin in its mouth. They didn't have lots of resources. They didn't have any buildings. They didn't meet in an upper room that was owned by them. They borrowed it. They didn't even have the Last Supper in the lovely location. They borrowed it. They had no buildings. They had little money. They had no theology degrees. They didn't have social media to get the message out. What did they have? They were a ragtag bunch made up of some hotheads, some educated, some former terrorists. They were young. They were inexperienced. They followed Jesus for three years, some of them. Followed him, saw him do amazing things. And there were times when he said, now you go and do it. But the one that they gathered around was now gone. You remember when Jesus was there, there was a bit of jostling for position. Who's going to lead? Can my son sit at your right hand, Jesus? Oh, you don't realize what you're asking. And here we have the leader taken, Jesus taken from them. They see him ascend into heaven after his death and glorious resurrection. And now he's ascending to heaven and they're told to wait, to wait, to wait for what? To wait for their college degrees to come through, to wait for the new building to happen, to wait for the finances to be released. What were they waiting for? They were waiting for the only thing that they needed 
in order to be a part of a global movement that would change the face of the earth forever. And from this small group of people who waited, the Holy Spirit came and he knocked on their hearts and he filled their lives. And the Holy Spirit has not left a legacy of a junior Holy Spirit for us 2,000 years later. It's the same Holy Spirit that knocks on your heart and on my heart. It's the same power. It's the same God who is present and now lives in us. The Bible says that we are the temples of the Holy Spirit. He doesn't live in cathedrals. He doesn't live in buildings. He doesn't live in certain locations of the world. He lives in you and in me. And he's looking for people of movement. He's looking for people who will understand the days that we're in. He's looking for people who will really believe the greater is he that's in them than he that's in the world. See, we live with that verse like as if it's a defense strategy against some of the challenges we face in life. You know, maybe you're having a difficult time with the boss at work and we think, oh, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. We have a few relational challenges from financial difficulties. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Listen, that verse is not given to us just to be a defense against the challenges of this world. That verse is given to us to let us know that we're on the side of the glorious King of kings and Lord of lords who is moving through the nations with power and with glory. And there are millions and millions of people coming to faith in Jesus every single year. Every year. People are giving their lives to Christ in unprecedented numbers. And it started with a bedraggled group of people meeting in a borrowed room with no money who received the Holy Spirit. If we want to celebrate Pentecost Sunday today, let's not make it an intellectual exercise. Oh, the irony of that. We, we have so many YouTube videos and teaching and books and concordances that we could look through and we could understand every nuance of teaching about the Spirit and still not know Him in our lives. The Holy Spirit is not to be known about. He's to be known. And the Holy Spirit is real. And, you know, if you feel that you are a defeated Christian, then realize that greater is He that's in you then your failures and the mess of your life. Oh, Mark, you don't realize I've got this generational stuff going on in me. For goodness sake, the Holy Spirit is in you. Greater is He that's in you than He that's in the world. Oh, can I really find freedom from this stuff? Greater is He that's in you than He that's in the world. He breaks the power of the enemy over our lives. He moves in if we give Him permission. And he takes residence in every room. And he resides and he lives in us. If we keep abiding, keep joining to him. But, and I'm, I haven't touched my notes, so. But the realities, the realities of our lives 
the realities of what we've made Christianity to be. Do you know that following Jesus doesn't just mean that you live free from your past and your sin? It does not just mean that you find a nice little ministry. It does not mean that you know a bit of provision in your life. Did you know that following Jesus means that you have now placed above everything else the priority of serving his kingdom? Above everything. Whatever we're called to do, whatever work or industry we're involved in, whatever our family dynamics, do you know that the number one service as I watched, as many of you did. Those early weeks of the war in Ukraine, and there were people wearing uniforms, battlements, battle uniforms on the front line, being interviewed. And they said, two weeks ago, I was a computer programmer. Two weeks ago, I was a hairdresser. Two weeks ago, I was a retired electrician. But there's a bigger battle. Do you know that's exactly the revelation that you and I need? Yes. We don't stop being the hairdresser or the electrician, or we don't stop doing those things, but we recognize we wear a uniform. The wrestle is not against flesh and blood. It's against principalities and powers and rulers of this dark age. And I believe with all my heart that there is, in these days that we're alive, that there is a movement that God is birthing that's fundamentally going to get us out of the buildings. It's going to look different to how it has in past generations. But it's going to be when people, when the people of God take up arms, empowered not by AK-47s, but empowered by the Holy Spirit. And that's, the move of God is not going to happen at some conference in Toronto. You're not going to get on planes to meet with God. Thank God for those times in our History over the hundreds of years where there have been gathering points where it seems like there's been a special dispensation of the Holy Spirit and people go on pilgrimages to travel, to meet God afresh. I thank God for all he's done and I don't decry any of that whatsoever. But I don't believe that's what's going to happen next. What's going to happen next is that you and I are going to put our uniforms on, empowered by the Spirit, and we're going to step onto the front line, and we're going to say there's nothing going to stop the purposes of God in my generation. That's what it's going to be. It's not about times of refreshing. It's not about times of blessing. It's about times of courage. There's a courage coming on the body of Christ. And it won't come by listening to good sermons. It won't come by having wonderful worship experiences in gatherings with hundreds of other people. It will come when you realize and when I realize that greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. That's where the courage comes from. I believe that every single person 
in this room can plant a church. Hang about, Mark. I'm still dicing up whether I can join the coffee rotor. When I say that about planting a church, you might think, well, I could never preach, I could never lead worship, I could never organize things like I see when I gather here. That's not, that's not what church can only be described as. Church is communities of people putting on the uniform of the kingdom, empowered by the Spirit, and breaking ground in their communities Shaking the darkness and taking light and making disciples of others. We, we are, I am convinced that we are stepping into the realms of not additional growth, but multiplicatory growth. Now, let me just explain that. Because some of you will think, oh, that means that maybe we have 500 people on a Sunday. Multiplication means that in a few years' time we might be thousands. No, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about the numbers of people that gather, although that's great. And the more people come to Jesus, I believe there's a great strength in us gathering. I believe in the gathering of the saints. I believe there's nothing like being in the room with people who love Jesus and we can be like flint sharp and in flint we can encourage one another in the Lord. There's nothing quite like it. But that's not just what church is. Because church is a community of people who are committed to living Jesus' following life. Amen. Being disciples it's not about knowing what this book says. It's about obeying what this book commands. It's not just about understanding. It's about living. And I believe that there's a whole new level that God is calling his people to that in a year's time, I'd love to ask the question of this group. How many of you have led more than five people to Jesus over the last year and hands all over the place go up? And here they are, they sat with me and we meet weekly and we have a Bible study together and we look at the Word of God. That's multiplication. It's not by the number of people who wander off the street or the number of people who see a social media advertising campaign for an alpha course and they come and join us. That's additional growth and thank God for every one of those lives. But multiplication growth is when you and I know that greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world and we can get off our backsides. Say derriere, French sounds a bit better, doesn't it? We can step out into being multiplicatory disciples of Jesus. That's what's happening all over the world. I was sharing with the team the other day a story I was reading about a man in a Muslim community that he was a former Muslim himself. He'd come to faith in Jesus 
and he given his life to put on the uniform of the kingdom, empowered by the Holy Spirit, and said, God, where, wherever you call me to go, I will go. Whatever you want me to do, I will do. And he felt the Holy Spirit say, I want you to go to this village. And when you get to the village, there's going to be a person of peace there. A person of peace in the scriptures is often someone that you meet that opens their heart and becomes a bit of a catalyst to open the doors in a community. And this man felt the Holy Spirit say, I want you to go to this village. I'm going to give you a person of peace that's going to open the way for you to bring the gospel to that village. So he travels to a village, this village. And he stood in the village square, very basic village. And a man comes and approaches him and says, are you new here? And he said, yes, I am. He says, do you have somewhere to stay? He said, no, I don't. He said, would you like to come to my home? The Christian is thinking, yes, this is the person of peace. So he accepts the invitation and goes to his home. Within a few moments of being in this man's home with his family there present, he says to him, are you a person of faith? The host says that. And the Christian says, actually, I follow Jesus. And, it, and the man just suddenly changed. He said, never mention that man's name here. So he's a bit confused because he's thinking that the Holy Spirit has led him to this village. He brought him to this person of peace. He'd invited him into the home to share the good news of Jesus. But he was being told not to mention Jesus' name. So they go to bed that night. In the middle of the night, he hears a commotion in the village, and there's a loud noise outside, and he looks through the window, and everybody's running around the village, and uh, he says to the host, what's happening? He said, there's a cow that's gone missing, and that's extremely valuable in our village. But secondly, there's a problem. People are saying that the cow has gone missing since you arrived, so you've brought a curse to the village. It's your fault. So the man is thinking, Jesus I followed you by the Spirit here. I believe you opened the door, this person of peace. He's told me I can't bring the name of Jesus into the home. And now the village think I'm cursed. So he prays. Next morning, the cow returns and everybody sort of cools down a bit. The next day, two goats go missing. And the man is thinking, oh no, this is just awful. Because now people are calling the cursed man. You're carrying a curse. He prays, two goats return the next day. The next few days, there's more livestock go missing. To a point now where people are almost trying to hound this man out of the village. The kids are ridiculing him, calling him Mr. Curse. And he just needs to leave. So he leaves. And he goes into a forest area for a week and prays and fasts and says, God, I thought you called me to that place. I believe I followed the leading of the Holy Spirit. Where were you? And all he sensed the Spirit of God say was, go back to the village. <laughs> anywhere, Lord. Anywhere. But not that village. He goes back to the village because he was wearing the uniform of the kingdom and because he decided the greater is he that's in him than is he that's in the world. And he walks into the village and the host that had kindly given him hospitality says, oh, not you again. He says, you better come back. And by the way, the livestock returned. It's all okay. But everybody's a bit nervous. And that evening, he's chatting to the host and he says to the host, have you in the village ever thought about building a barn? 
to keep the animals safe. And they said, no, we never thought of that. He said, well, I can help. I'm quite handy with my hands. I can help build a barn. So they begin to build a barn. And during the break, some kids gather around and they call in this man all sorts of names, cursed man. And he says, hey, would you like to hear a story? And he begins to tell them stories from the Bible. And these kids are going, wow, that's an amazing story. They go back to their families and they say, that man knows incredible stories. And the adults begin to come to him and say, what are those stories you're telling our kids? Will you tell us those stories? So he begins to tell them the stories. Well, the entire village come to faith in Jesus. If the animals hadn't gone missing, the barn wouldn't have been built. If the barn wasn't built, the stories with the kids wouldn't have happened. If the kids had not heard the stories, the parents would not have heard. You know, sometimes we forget that God knows what he's doing. Greater is he that's in us than he that is in the world. And when we know that, we can handle a bit of opposition. We can handle things not working out as we hoped. Because God is on the throne. And he's in control. And he knows what he's doing. Church, I believe God is getting you and me exactly where he wants us. And it's not to be sat in rows on a Sunday alone, but it's to be on the front line of what God is doing in our communities. And on this Pentecost Sunday, one of the images given to the Holy Spirit, there are numerous images in the scriptures, read images of fire, and on the day of Pentecost, there were what appeared like tons of fire appeared over the disciples gathered in that room of prayer, and they were filled with boldness and courage, and they spoke in other languages to such a point where people in the community, that as they spilled onto the streets, because that's what happens when you're courageous, it gets you out of the building and it gets you into communities. And as they spill onto the streets, speaking in these languages they'd never learnt, there were people visiting this very metropolitan city from all over, and they began to hear their languages spoken, thinking, where did you learn this language? Oh, we didn't learn it. It's the Holy Spirit has given us this, and he has filled us with power. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. We don't need more Christians with more theology degrees. There's nothing wrong with that. But we do not need more Christians to learn an instrument. There's nothing wrong with that. We don't need more Christians to turn up at more meetings, although there's nothing wrong with that. We need God's people to rise up in the power of the Spirit. Nothing has changed in the last few thousand years. Nothing is different. We still need the Holy Spirit today. And without Him, we can do nothing. But maybe we're trying to do things without Him. 
Maybe we run through services. And don't get religious on me and say, well, you know, to give the Holy Spirit, we want to give him some time to have the prophetic. Do you know the prophetic and the gifts of the Spirit are not designed primarily for the front of a service? They're designed to interact with our everyday life. Yeah. Do you know, people say to me, where, where does, where does the, the, the space be given for the prophetic? 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That's where the space is. If we can encourage it here, then fantastic. But we need more prophets out there than we do in here. Oh, when do we lay hands on the sick? When do we get opportunity? Huh? 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Because the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but it's a matter of power. And God's calling his people to be people of power. If Malcolm was on the stage right now, I'm sure he'd sing, for I'm building a people of power. I'm building a people of praise that will move through this land by my spirit. Do you want to be part of that? Do you want to be part of a movement? I want to be part of a movement. I'm not interested in us going through the motions and building nice church gatherings. I want to be a part of seeing the kingdom of God come, not just on 10% in our community. You know, if 10% of people came to faith in Jesus in this city, there wouldn't be enough room in the churches for them. But that's not the target. The target is the 5.6 million people of the Southwest. There's, There's no stadiums big enough. There's no buildings big enough. There's no cathedrals big enough. But there are homes. And there are communities. There are coffee shops you can meet with others and share Jesus. There's a whole landscape for us to go in the power of the Spirit and to be part of a movement. Who's up for it? Come on, let's stand together. Maybe I'll use my sermon another week. Hallelujah. Come on, if you want to be filled with courage, and it's a dangerous prayer. It's not just for you bless me, Lord. It's like fill me with courage or lift your hands to heaven right now, would you? And this is not just a moment. We're not going to time our watch and say, God, you've got a minute now to fill us. But raising our hands says that I want this in my life and I'm going to seek you. I'm going to every day walk in a place of surrender and submission and obedience. Every day I'm going to choose to live in revelation. The greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And Lord, I pray that you would fill your people to overflowing with the power of your Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit now. Receive the Holy Spirit. All that condemnation over your life be broken in the name of Jesus. Every stronghold that you have partnered with in your life that has held you back from flowing in the power of the Spirit, in Jesus' name, I speak freedom over your life now. The Holy Spirit breaks the power of canceled sin. He sets the prisoners free. All that timidity, all of that sense of shyness on your life, in the name of Jesus, I just break the power of those excuses. I break the power of that intimidation about your personality. And in Jesus' name, I declare over your life, the greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Greater is he that's in you than you. 
The one that's in you is greater than the talents you have. He's greater than the inadequacies you carry. Greater is He that's in you. And the Holy Spirit now stirs and He churns us up. He churns us up. Because in the very nature of our hearts, we try and settle and the Spirit of God saying, No, no, I'm churning you up. Causing a desperate cry to come within the people of God once again. And calling a people that will lock themselves in a room for days and say, I will not let you go till you bless me, God. I will not go in my own strength and my own power. I will only step out in the purposes of God. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Someone gave me a picture earlier on that there are people here this morning and you've got a pair of binoculars, but you've got them run the wrong way and you're looking at God, but he's smaller than he actually is. Because you've got things the wrong way. You're looking with the wrong perspective. And the Spirit of the Lord says to you, be magnified, O God, be magnified. See him in his glory. There's no binoculars or telescope in the world that can present God bigger than he is. Be magnified in your people, Lord. In the power of his might and strength. God, we're sorry for all those times we played at church. God, in our homes, in our lives, we've messed around, we've played around, we've danced on the edges of faith. We've put our uniforms on, taken our uniforms off. We've been on the front line, we've been on the back line. Lord, we've meandered, we've drifted, we've been stagnant. And Lord, we ask in your mercy that you would come and revive your people once again. Revive your church, oh God. Hallelujah. Come on, if that's your prayer, why don't you lift your hands, lift your hearts, lift your voices and say, God, be magnified in me. Be glorified in me. Let the desperate cries of the people of God rise up. Hallelujah. Be magnified, O God. God, a movement, a movement of spirit-filled men and women, young people, boys and girls, a movement a movement advancing through the earth, captivated by the glory and the wonder and the joy of the Lord being our strength, captivated by His love. Hallelujah. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be my witnesses. Shira la surla taraka si karalako. Shira bura sirlu kurlaka taka. Rabura si taraka sekura laka sika. Rabura sira la kusakara lako soko. Shira la sira la kusakara lako. Revive your church, O God. Kira la sira bura si karalako soko. Ripara la sira la kusakara lako soko. Ripara la sira la kusakola laka. Sira pura la sira kusakala la kusoko. Sira pura la sikara la kusoko. 
Rapura da sira kusaka la la ka. Shira la kasira la kusokora la ko. Rapura la sira la kosakora ka. Rapura sita la kusakora la ka. Kira pubara seru lo kosakara la ka. Sira pura situ kaseko ka. Rapuba basukara la kasoko. Kira pubo basukara la ka. Kira la suka. You know, the Bible says of the New Testament saints, they devoted themselves to, to God's word daily. They devoted themselves. And I want to encourage you to get stuck into reading plans. You know, I don't think we've ever had as many people joining together in reading plans over the last, sort of, as we have over the last few years. But I look at a church of hundreds and I see 30 people come to a prayer meeting on a Monday night. I see like a hundred doing a reading plan out of hundreds. Now, you've probably all got your own reading plans. It's great. But if you haven't, why not join us? Devote yourselves. Because it can't just be about experience on a Sunday. It's about the daily disciplines in our life. You don't turn up at a gym and say to the gym instructor, inspire me about fitness. And then you leave feeling inspired about fitness and doing nothing about it. It's about the daily work. It's about the exercise, the grind of pushing yourself even though you don't feel like it. And I want to encourage you. You know, there are some days I come to this book and I think, gosh, that's tough. Sometimes I've got to read it, it's like blah, blah, blah. And I think, should I say that as a pastor? Let me say it as a fellow journeyman with you. But I still read it. And God speaks not every day do I get something profound, but if I didn't read it every day, I'd get it no day. And maybe just our response this morning is not just hands raised, but maybe if your Bible's on your phone or you've got a written copy or maybe you just want to picture it in your mind's eye and say, God, I want to devote myself to your word. And I want to encourage you, join us in the mornings for Die Daily and Communion. 7.20 in the mornings. I want to encourage you to join us for our prayer gatherings. You can do it from the comfort of your home. Go on our website and find out details. But Lord, I pray there will be a people who put our uniforms on. Be people who push back the darkness with courage because, say it after me, greater is He, greater is he who's in me, who is in me than, he than He that's in the world. Now, Father, I commission your people to go out with that revelation and that truth in Jesus' name. Amen.